good morning or good afternoon or good evening whatever it happens to be whenever you're watching this i'm pastor jason van bemmel from forest hill presbyterian church welcome to walking with jesus through the word one chapter per day it's day 390 of 1165 our three-year journey through god's word we're in the early part of year two still early in the bible first samuel chapter 17 and we're in the story of David, the history of the life of David, and we come to one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible. People who don't know hardly anything about the Bible will know about David and Goliath. In fact, if you just say to people, you know, the fight between David and, and they'll say, Goliath, all right. Yeah, the giant, the shepherd boy and the giant. So that's where we are today. But as with most things that are super familiar to us, very often we don't understand them as well as we think we do. And sometimes we have, you know, false assumptions, things we've been told. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help so we can be faithful to his word today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word, for your spirit, for the gift of this time together. We pray that you would write your word on our hearts, that you would change our hearts by your spirit, that you would draw us close to Christ for the time we spend in your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side and a valley with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Benjamin in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, 
and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward and took his stand, morning and evening. And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. Also, take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning, and left the sheep with a keeper, and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine, and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go up and fight with the Philistines. With the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down 
both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all that the earth and all that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine, and David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran over and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. David took the head of the Philistine, brought it back to Jerusalem, but put his armor in his tent. 
As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, Inquire whose son this boy is. And as soon as David returned from striking down the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. So this is the famous story of David and Goliath. We talked last time, two days ago, when we were in chapter 16, about the the bit of controversy that exists over this story and over its placement here and why it follows after chapter 16 and and really the confusion why it is that at the end of the chapter it seems pretty clear that Saul doesn't know uh, who this person is. But this is, I think, early on in David's service of Saul. He's going back and forth between the army and between his home in Bethlehem. He refers to his keeping of sheep as being in the past tense, and yet he's making these travels back and forth. He's not a regular part of Saul's army, although he may have had even some battle experience by this time because he's described from the beginning as uh, someone who is uh, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence. But this is probably early on, and Saul doesn't really know him that well yet. Maybe he's just made a couple of journeys. Maybe he's just played once or twice for Saul, and Saul certainly has a lot of people in his circles. We're not even told the identity of the young man who recommended David to Saul. He's unknown, and so it's very it's very easy to, to think that you know this was just sort of something new that was happening, and Saul hasn't really gotten to know this, this young man yet. He kind of knows him, but... You know, he doesn't really exactly ask who he is. He's just asking who his father is and what family he comes from. So it could be he recognizes him, kind of knows him, but doesn't really remember his whole backstory because that would be a normal thing uh, for, for this type of position. So we have David at the beginning. And like I said, he is he's not a regular part of Saul's standing army. But he, he makes trips back and forth. So... At the beginning, we see the standing army of Israel. The Saul and the men of Israel gathered and encamped. They're encamped in a line of battle against the Philistines. And there's a champion challenge. The idea is we'll bring forth our champion. You bring forth your champion. They'll have a one-to-one battle. And whoever wins will declare that side to be the winner of this battle. And the other side will be their servants. Now, that, of course, requires some honor on behalf of the losing side and the Philistines don't show themselves to have any honor here because rather than offer themselves to service to Israel and Judah, they flee and they try to go back into their walled cities. Apparently they do go back into their fortified cities, even as far as Ekron, uh, but they're beaten in battle by Israel on this day, as we saw. But this Philistine is a giant. He's over nine feet tall. A, a cubit in the Bible is about a foot and a half. It's it's probably the distance from the elbow to the tip of the finger, but that would change depending upon who the ruler was and how long their arms were. If I was the ruler, I'm a pretty tall guy, pretty large, and the tip 
from the tip of my elbow to the tip of my finger is probably closer to two feet than a foot and a half. So there would be a, a you know, a cubit would be like 20, 22 inches or something. I don't know how a ruler to measure that on myself, but uh, probably somewhere around a foot and a half. Six cubits in a span. A span is, is the distance across. So people have said he's nine feet, nine inches, maybe, but maybe just nine feet or maybe eight and a half feet. Because again, the length of a cubit would change depending upon uh, a lot of factors. Sometimes it came down to whoever the pharaoh was in Egypt, as Egypt was kind of the regional power of that time. And so they would kind of set the standard of the cubit based upon whoever pharaoh was, and that would be used in trade throughout that part of the world. That's speculation, but we know he's tall. We know he's very tall. We know that the shaft of his spear is like a weaver's beam, and the spear's head weighs 600 shekels of iron, according to verse 7. And uh, that's, that's just huge. Okay, the guy is very, very large, about nine feet tall and just having a 15 pound, about a 15 pound head on his spear. So that's about what 600 shekels would weigh approximately. So he's got a sword, he's got a spear, he's got a javelin, he's got armor. Recently, several years ago now, uh, Malcolm Gladwell came out with a, a best-selling book called David and Goliath, in which he writes about how smaller, sort of outmanned organizations or people can have strategies by which they can overcome someone bigger. And so he speculates in the opening chapter of David and Goliath that, that Goliath, while he was very large, was probably very slow and probably had very poor eyesight. He probably had some form of giantism that actually affected his, his coordination and his ability to to fight well and that he probably didn't even see well. He reads into this idea that uh, when David comes out, he says, you come against me with sticks. Even though David's only holding one stick, Malcolm Gladwell says, well, maybe he saw like it looked like he was holding multiple sticks. I think that's a lot of speculation, to be honest. I think Goliath was well known as a champion. The Philistines weren't going to put him out there just because he was tall. Saul says about Goliath, he's been a man of war from his youth and you are but a youth. So I think Goliath had a reputation as well as having size. Uh, everybody was greatly afraid of him, and they weren't greatly afraid of him just because he was tall. He also goes out with an armor bearer. Uh, so he's got someone to carry a shield for him. He's got someone to help him out in the battle like we saw with Jonathan and his armor bearer earlier. So he is, he is a fierce man of battle. David comes. Uh, David goes... Um, Back and forth, verse 15, it says, David was the youngest, the eldest three followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So this verse is my clue that he's already in service to Saul, but it's kind of a part-time service. He, from time to time, has to go back and help his father with the sheep at Bethlehem. His father has hired hands, but during certain times, he'd have to go back and help his father, and then he'd go back to be with Saul. He comes... He comes and he's not been there for the 40 days of the Philistine coming forward and taking his stand morning and evening and challenging. And he shows up and he sees this happening and he's not been around. He's like, what in the world's happening? What is going on? And he first wants to know what's going to be given to the guy who actually takes on this challenge. Finds out 
probably a pretty good gig. You're going to be well rewarded. You're going to get the daughter of the king in marriage. Your father's house is going to be free in Israel. That means you're probably going to be exempt from uh, many of the taxations and, and uh, service requirements and things like that. So it's good for you. It's good for your future. It's good for your family. So he's saying, I'm, you know, why does this guy get away with, he's an uncircumcised Philistine, he says of him in verse 26. Why does he get away with defying the armies of the living God? And right here at the end of verse 26, we begin to see why David is a man after God's own heart. He recognizes the armies of Israel, not as the armies of Saul or the armies of Israel, but as the armies of the living God, the living God. And he knows that if God is on his side, he is not going to be afraid of any giant. He goes to Saul. Saul's concerned to even let him go out there because this is a champion's show, showdown. And maybe David's older brother Eliab, because he was tall and handsome and an experienced soldier, maybe he would be a, an appropriate champion. But here's, here's the runt of the litter. Here, here's the scrub of the family, the one whom Jesse didn't even think to bring out in front of Samuel for possible anointing as the king. And here he comes, still a youth. We don't know exactly how old he is, but he's, you know, he's not the oldest in his family, that's for sure. And he comes out there and he says, I want to go and I want to fight him. And he, David has experience against lions and bears. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, I've never had to fight a lion or a bear, and I frankly would never want to. Uh, but David David has confidence that really is in the Lord. We see that in verse 37. The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Another aspect of this story that people like to speculate about is the fact that he brings five stones. So he goes from, from to the brook and he brings out five stones. And I've read a lot of speculation about this that, you know, Saul has, you know, uh, Saul... Goliath has four brothers, and he's one of five sons, and there's those five giants, and David's getting a stone for each one of them. That is nowhere stated in the Bible. Um, first time I heard that, I thought, oh, wow, let me go find that in the Bible where that says it, because the guy, the preacher who said it was so confident, this is why it would happen. No, I mean, later in the list of the exploits of the, the mighty men of David that, were, that we'll read later, there is some reference to... Uh, Goliath's brothers, but there's there's no indication from the text of Scripture that David went after Goliath's brothers, that he was planning on going after Goliath's brothers. He picks up five stones probably because that's how many would fit in his pouch. That's how many he was used to carrying. It's like if you had a six-shot revolver and you fill it up with six bullets. I mean, that's maybe just the standard of what he, you know, was used to carrying. It's, you know, he's, he's not necessarily presumptuous enough to think he's going to strike home on the very first blow. He's, he's preparing to go to battle. Now, God is very gracious to David, and the very first stone that strikes, strikes him right in the head. But what I'm impressed by is the words that David says to Goliath before this happens. He says very confidently, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. In other words, David is coming with the greater power by far. 
Goliath might be nine feet tall. He might have a huge spear. The head of that spear might weigh 15 pounds. He might have a javelin. He might have a sword. He might be a man of war with many years of experience. But David comes in the name of the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And he says, the Lord, Yahweh, will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines to the birds of the air. He is, he is confident, unlike Saul, who's cowering in his tent because of his insecurity. David is confident, but it's not an arrogant, boastful self-confidence. He's confident in the Lord. If you belong to God, if you're a child of God, if you belong to the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ, God is with you in whatever battle you face. Now, David here is really a picture of Christ. David is a type of foreshadowing of Christ, who is the champion of our salvation, who stands in our place against an undefeatable foe, Satan sin, death, hell, condemnation. That if Satan gets the upper hand in the battle, we are enslaved forever. We would have to serve him as our master and we would be held under the same condemnation that he's under. But Jesus goes to battle. It looks, from a human perspective, like Jesus is completely outgunned. Satan has Pontius Pilate the Sanhedrin, the Roman army, a cross, public shame and humiliation. Jesus has the faithfulness of the Father and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit and his own conviction that he is doing the work of God. And against all that Satan can muster, Jesus wins the victory. He takes our sin upon himself he defeats it on the cross. He swallows death by his own resurrection from the dead. He is alive forevermore as the victorious champion. And now is the cleanup operation where the Philistines are fleeing. Satan's kingdom is overthrown. The gospel is going out into the world to set the captives free. And we're called to follow in the footsteps of our champion into the battles that we face knowing that Goliath's already been defeated and his head's already been chopped off. Satan is defeated. When you go into battle, you don't just go in like David, knowing that God is on your side. You go in as the one who follows the greater David, who's already won the victory for us. That's what we miss so often when we hear this story. We think it's about us, and we are the champion, and Satan is the enemy. But Satan's already been defeated, and the battle's already been won, because Jesus is the champion who has overcome for us. We're in the army of Israel chasing down a defeated enemy with the gospel proclamation that Jesus is Lord. So let's go out in joyful confidence today, knowing that our Lord has won the battle. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the gift of life through your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Help us to walk in the confident knowledge that he has won the victory and that we are victorious in and through him and him alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's 1 Samuel 17. Thanks for joining me today. Tomorrow we'll continue right on to chapter 18. Hope you can join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.